You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, Earth Station One listeners, and welcome to another episode. This time it's a really exciting one. This one, we are going to be splitting up into variants and looking at Loki. That's right. The Disney Plus series just came to an end, and we thought it'd be perfect before everyone else in their podcast started talking about it. Why not have us talk about it? You know, it should be cool. So we have variants of each one of us here. And just remember, of course, we will be spoiling a lot in this one. So if you haven't seen this one, who are you? What are you waiting for? Go on, watch. We want to talk to you guys about it. We definitely want to hear what you guys thought about it. And, you know, this guy is my variant. So let's welcome Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. That's right. You know, everyone named Mike is a, just a variant of each other. So, and, you know, you know, he split from me, I split from him. And then there's Mike Faulkner, who's another variant. And then there's... We have you know, another variant of Mike on the show this tonight. That's true, and you're, he's going to be in the geek seat because that variant hasn't been in it yet. So there you go. And, you know, does that make, you know, any Michelles a variant of you? <laughs> well, you know, let's just say that uh, uh, the love interest in Loki was very familiar territory for me. No, I'm not going to touch that one. I am not touching that one. I am, but it's good I to am, have you here tonight. I am, I am burdened with glorious purpose i'm glad to hear that that is true so now you have to decide you know where which variant are you going to take you know go off on or are you going to end up with or god that's these multiverse things are just you know hurting my head completely so we definitely would love to hear from you before we you know go totally off the deep end please write us at feedback at earthstation1.com please let us know what you guys thought of this did you guys enjoy Loki? I, you know, it's interesting. Most of the Marvel series have been getting a lot of people loving it, but there's been a lot of people who have been like, eh, it was just okay. You know, and it's like, what are you watching? I don't know. Cause we've been seeing some pretty amazing things and I'm very, you know, very fun to think that, you know, we're getting Disney plus series. And now we're also getting, of course, coming up next, I think is what if, so it should be even more fun. So what if you guys wrote us, left us feedback? We would really appreciate that. And, you know, you can find us on anywhere fine podcasts are found. You could also find the ESO network. So definitely Earth Station One is a proud member of it. And you know what? If you listen to our podcast or any of our podcasts on the network, please leave feedback. Five stars would be appreciated. Thumbs up, whatever your podcast listener thing gives, please let us know and let us know how we're doing. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Also, a big shout out to our patrons. Our patrons are what keeps the station lights on. And, you know, we've been giving you guys some really good stuff. We just had an exclusive episode of the Flopcast up there where Superman took on his arch enemy, the Mockingbird. But we also have, you know, the new episode of the DragonCon report is already up there. And you could listen to that uh, 48 hours before it goes live so it's pretty cool that you get that you get this show you get earth station who you also get the new episode of esobs 
sports silly that's right folks and we actually take a game on there we talk about the 80s and i'm looking you know not to spoil anything but you know this man you know who i'm talking to tonight my variant actually has a huge knowledge of the 80s more than i even guessed so it was actually pretty cool to see but it was a lot of fun and definitely check us out and you too can be part of the patreon eso network family and all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. Also a big shout out real quick to our friends over at Tofosi Optical. Tofosi Optical is your place for sunglasses. Check it out. They have different shades of colors and frames and, you know, different, you, you can even do prescriptions. It's pretty awesome. Tofosi Optical will take care of you. You could see what they have on their site. They have gamer glasses. They have sport glasses. They have safety goggles. You even have face shields. Tofosi Optical has it. You name it, you have it. And you know what? It's pretty darn awesome that if you put in the code Earth Station One, you too can actually take 10% off your whole order. Not just one pair, but your whole order. Check it out, tofosioptic.com. Tell them Earth Station One sent you. And now we're here with new friend of the show, Michael Stein. He is an all-around great guy. And he's into many, many things, including acting, podcasting, entrepreneurship. He does it all. And that's why he's on our station one. Welcome to the show, Michael. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much. I, I thought he was just on the show because he was named Mike. Of course. That's a pretty oh, right. most of the yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah we're, we're the three Mikes. We are. Absolutely. Exactly. We actually yep. do a panel at a con called Dragon Con that is called what is it called Bunky? it's a we, we have we have named ourselves a drop of mics a drop of mics yeah. and everyone on the panel has to have mike michael or michelle part of their name yeah well french yeah, yeah, we're, nice. we're getting why not, why not miguel or uh my ear or you know there's also Moshe. The yeah yeah and yeah. you're you're of the jewish persuasion too so you could that'll that'll fit Okay, <laughs> definitely could. We are yes, we are anxiously getting ready for Michaelmas in a few months. So uh celebrate all the things, Michael. We'll be we'll be uh, it'll be a fantastic holiday. But uh but Michael, welcome to the station. We are glad to have you with us. Uh for those people who may not be familiar about you and what you do, especially with long shot leaders, uh tell us a little about yourself. I am the host of a podcast called Long Shot Leaders. And uh I I created a podcast like that because I'm from a long line of long shots. Like uh, Mike, uh, Mr. Faber, I, you know, my, I can, my grandmother was escaped the Russian concentration camps on her way to America. My dad was a New York street kid, a homeless, and uh, became a millionaire to only become homeless again. And I was an unplanned child, broken home, a lot of health issues, ADHD, uh, dyslexia, all kinds of issues. And, um, you know, I, I eventually uh, found success with making people laugh when I was at a young age. And then I found success. When I saw the movie Rocky, I said, I, "Here's a guy like me. He, he's, you know, he's kind of like a loser, but he tries hard, keeps on getting back up, and uh, but he, you know, he's he was fit. He was physically fit. So then I became physically fit, and I became a, a fitness trainer when I was 16. And then I, you know, had a long life, a long career. We can get into it, but basically uh, a lot of success, a lot of failures uh, in film and stand-up comedy and acting and entrepreneurship." Uh, until I finally realized my tour de France of failure and uh, successes that I was going to be an entrepreneur so I can make movies. And uh, since then, I started a company. It's made over $100 million uh, to, you know, after all this 
roller coaster ride. So I said, you know, if I ever do a podcast, it's going to be about like Rocky type stories with people that fail and succeed and go through that roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just some of the things you mentioned as well as some of the uh, items on, uh, on the, the website, your resume there. Um, certainly things like stand-up comedy, uh, acting, performing, producing movies, directing movies, um, concert promotion, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, as you said, these are like one, just one of these aspects is not an easy road to take. And yet you've taken so many of them and with uh, levels of success, which is to be commended, I think. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, uh, I started, you know, once you get a couple successes, I say, you know, making people laugh is a, a success, you know, because you can't do, you know, when you're, I was a troubled kid, you know, and I couldn't do anything, right? So yeah, that was a one success. And then when you have a, a second one, you know, and uh, people admire you for that second success. So you had momentum. So then I told my high school tutor, I said, when I graduate, I'm not going to college because I just didn't have the chops for it. I said, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And she said, why don't you do something with her hands? Because you know, that's not everybody's meant to do what they want to do. So I ended up, you know, screwing her as I'm just going to be an entrepreneur. And then two weeks after I started that company, when I was 18 years old, I, it failed. I, I was sitting there at summertime and I said, I can't, I, I, it's not going to work out. You know, but six months later, I became a nightclub promoter because I did stand up comedy when I was 19 and I did really well, you know, bringing out a crowd. And so I said, I'm going to be a nightclub promoter. And within six months of doing that, I became the number one nightclub promoter in Los Angeles in my age bracket. And um, that kind of like really sent a trajectory of, 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 you know, trying, you know, and being risky and trying different things and burning the boats to, you know, make movies and put all my money into movies and going broke again. Because <laughs> when I was a nightclub promoter, I was a wealthy guy. And then I blew it all on, you know, on, uh, well, blew it all, but, you know, take the risk, you know, and, and I've had an up and down career until I realized, went through all that hell and I realized, okay, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur again, you know. After this, and right yeah. with with the success though that you've that you've experienced with a lot of different uh, a lot of different sort of roads to take, as well as you know the podcast that you have talking to people, many 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 people about their success. Do you find similar <laughs> threads throughout all of those, or is it or is it completely different depending on what your goal is? Well, there's such a wide range of people that we have on the podcast. Right. Ours, and we, we try to tell one, you know, one arc, you know, I try to, it's like being a screenwriter. I try to tell like a story, like a save the cat, John Truby's 22 step story structure of, you know, let's find out what I, I ask everybody, almost everybody the same thing. Like what was one of your major wants when you were younger? So what was inhibiting that want? What was your character flaw? You know, uh, and then where does that take you from there? And then when you step into Oz, you know, and I usually, I pick people on the podcast that have overcome large obstacles to find success. That doesn't mean monetary. It can mean anything. If you're perpetually homeless and, and then you find like a nomad story, you find, you know, some victory and, and work and off, off the streets. We have somebody like that or somebody, that, you know, was broke and then, you know, became a multi or became a billionaire, you know, so it's a wide range or, or a Holocaust survivor who we had on the podcast. So what are the common threads of each one? is so different but i can tell you that people hold on to a lot of shit and then once they find a new equilibrium of you know understanding of their consciousness then they're able to apply that and I, it's a quote that we constantly promote on the podcast saying there's a line in, in um in the natural 
Glenn Close says, I believe we have two lives, one that you learn with and one that you live with. And that's the common thread is that everybody's like just trying to find what to do with this life that they, they learn with. It's kind of like you guys are doing a podcast for 12 years. So like you, you, that, that those years of like mistakes and, and hills and valleys and crossroads of all these problems. And then you finally hit this critical mass point, which is the common thread for these people. And then they're able to apply it or like in the shining, they end up going the other way, but we usually don't interview those people. <laughs> well, and, and that's sort of the flip side is what I was uh, going to ask you about too, because with success, obviously, you know, there's a road full of obstacles and, uh, and dare I say failures. Um, and, you know, throughout all of those, I mean, it's difficult. I was wondering if there's, if you see sort of a commonality or, or anything that's common with people trying to overcome different obstacles, you know, like, like, is there something out there that you uh, see like is, is it, is this a completely unique scenario nine times out of 10, or is it something that's like, no, no, people can dig down deep and, and, and reach something. Got it. Light bulb. And I think I know what you're asking specifically. And that is one of the common traits that these people have that made them successful somewhat, you know, or. That, right. That, is it, and is it, is it a trait or is it something that people can learn? I think it's something that they can learn, but it's a trait that, you know, it's, it's gratitude. Uh, they are, have inner and outer honesty. Um, they are very, uh, you know, uh, they're driven. They, um, you know, th- those are the, those are the biggie, you know, gratitude and inner and outer honesty are the hmm. two things that really stand out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, you know what? I would not have guessed that. I mean, it's certainly, you know, because, uh, you know, certainly it seems like on the outside, sometimes it seems like some really, really successful people are, are not wired that way, <laughs> you know? True, but I think it's because they, they're successful in spite of that. Then there's this good old-fashioned, like, driven, you know, of course, then what, what success, you know, then there's monetary success, you know. Right, right. But uh, there's, there's, there is a, a third element that I'll mention that is they have a big juxtaposition between carrot and stick. Their associations are so deep towards the failure that they've had in the past, towards their massive desire to step away from that pain, that the bigger juxtaposition, and that's why iron sharpens iron, the bigger pain those people have had in the past, uh, and it could it doesn't mean they're like, well, I know people that are multi that are billion that grew up very wealthy, and but they might have like so much inner pain through a, a, a parent that has you know, driven them so much to, against being poor, let's say, and they, they work for riches, you know, that juxtaposition between the pain and pleasure principle, such a big driver, you know, so that's, that is a, a big component. What, uh, because you've done so much, I'm curious what sort of attracts you is there something, uh, is it very each time or is there something that you're kind of always looking on the lookout for that either something, a, a movie project you want to get involved with or some other event or something like that, that, that you see that what, what's that spark for you? You know, since I was a kid, my, I, I was, my dad was, uh, he was an entrepreneur and he wanted to be a singer and I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to be uh, an actor. Mm-hmm. comedian an actor and a comedian and he did a business called uh he's he, in the early 70s calculators were like 
they were big and they became somewhat smaller. Oh yeah. And he did a mail order campaign campaign. And it was, he sold so many up in Canada. It was called the calculator kid. He was in LA, but he, he had this crazy idea. I'm going to do mail order get in Canada because the American dollar and all this. And that's where brother international was a big company became the calculator kid. And then he had a, which way if you want to know my background, my first movie I did was the Dirk Diggler story as an actor. And then I became Boogie Nights. He's loosely based on the Burt Reynolds character. He had blew all his money on like sheer carnality parties, Mike's. I'm telling you, it was insane. And he blew all his riches. And, and I always wanted to be the calculator kid. And I always wanted to be an actor. And I wanted to, my dad was cooler than anything. So I was like, you know, that's never changed. So when I became an entrepreneur that was successful as a nightclub promoter, you're an entrepreneur. And then I said, well, now I want to be, I'm going to do the other half. I want to be an actor. So I went out and acted. My first role was playing Dirk Diggler in the Dirk Diggler story. And then I was in Boogie Nights doing that as well. And then I said, well, I saw my friend Paul Anderson do what he did, you know, with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, and I said, I'm going to do a short film. So then I left my nightclub business. I put everything into my uh short film uh before that i even worked as a production assistant for several years to like know how to become a filmmaker so then i burn the boats and then i make a, a short film and it won a lot of awards and it got bought by hbo and it was a huge success for a short film and i said well and i got tons of you know everybody wants to have meetings with you in hollywood when you make a film like that mm-hmm. and i've written several screenplays so I, I got close to a movie deal with my screenplays and then that didn't happen and after two years of development hell, because I was always close to a deal with uh, Trimark Pictures, I said, I'm going to make my own movie. Screw you guys. But I was broke and in debt you know, at that time because I burned everything. And I said, well, then I'm just going to become an entrepreneur again. And I started the business I have now. And within six months, I made half a million dollars. And I made a movie that I wrote, directed, produced, and acted in with Faye Dunaway, Andy Dick, and Coolio called Love Hollywood Style. Mm-hmm. And that did well with at the film festivals, but then it didn't make its money. And I almost bought another business, you know, so nothing's ever changed. It's always been a want and I, that ebb and flow. So now I did step away because I had kids, uh, you know, two little, a little one at that point. And I got to say, I, I moved out of LA. I said, screw it. I still do stand-up comedy, but I moved out of LA and I built my business, which I, you know, uh, it blew it up. You know, it's made, it's business made over a hundred million dollars since. And now I, my kids are growing older and do I open up the door again to say, look, I, yeah, you know, they, they have, they have their own time now. I don't want to be there as much. And now I'm saying, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast. I am directing a documentary about that crazy film that went nuts uh, called Love Hollywood Style. And it's called Burning the Boats. And uh, I started to do stand up at the end of the year when things open up again. So I guess it's a, it's kind of like a disease that it'll never leave. So the answer is yes, but I've had a, I've had a long break because I wanted to, you know, when you, you, you go off and do those things, you do too much, you know, it's like the dog that looks at the bone in the mouth, you know, and moves right. both bones and looks in the water. So that's the answer to your question. I think that answered you know, kind of like my, my, my story and how I feel about it. Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Man, I could, uh, man, I could pick your brain about like, you know, for hours on, on your experience with um, helping organize the promotion around Batman, the 89 movie alone, or, or just, yeah, like you said, that love Hollywood style working with Faye Dunaway and that, and that alone could, I would love to talk to you about, but I'm also, you know, I know we have to move on a little bit, but I just wanted to ask you again, that's sort of an overview uh, because I think you're in a unique position where 
you yourself have had a lot of success um, on along different roads, as well as talking to a lot of people. Do you find, do you think that it's, it, things are easier? Do we have better tools now or is it more of the same? Um, Interesting question. Yeah. That's a classic. Great question. Yeah. In some ways it's easier. It's so much easier. There's a lot of parity. You can, you know, um, you could literally go to, you can make money tonight. You know, it's not easy though. And there's a lot, there's a lot of people that are starting to do that, but there's so many moving parts right now because of the internet, which is how I made my money. I, I, and I, and also there's so many things changing. You want to be a chapter ahead. You don't have to be genius. You don't have to be like, you know, but you need to try to find the next chapter of what's happening and kind of be on that wave. You know, so I, I was like, I started building a website in 1999, you know, and I'd, I'd launched it in 2000, you know, so, you know, yeah, you know, things are, I'd say they're a little easier and in some ways they're harder, but I think that everybody somehow, some way they're willing to put in the time and the hustle. There's a way to make money on the internet uh, specifically. Uh, so it is a little easier. Uh, but then again, if you don't have uh you know, the tech savvy, it might be harder. And it was for people that weren't technical, it was easier back then. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. I would imagine so. Like, yeah, it's, it's all about the tools, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, you know, moving parts, things, so many things are changing right now and, and um, they're going to continue to change. You know, we haven't really hit the zenith yet of uh, even podcasting hasn't hit the zenith yet. I think we're still in our infancy in some ways, right? At least I, ways, it feels yeah. like it. It feels like it. Yeah. Um, I don't think we hit the peak. No, not yet. No, no. We well, well, Mike and I might have peaked. We might have peaked like <laughs> we might have peaked <laughs> like we might have peaked like nine years ago. <laughs> what but, our uh, best is yet ahead, my friend. Come on. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of that, um, I know that the geek seat hungers. Uh, so, uh, Mike, if you want to, uh, I think he's ready. I think he's warmed up and ready to go. Well, it's always nice having another Mike in the geek seat. So it's always a good thing. <laughs> yes. So, Michael, are you ready for your first shot at the geek seat? Yes, sir. You've been through a lot through your life. So this should be very interesting to hear what you have to say for us. I'll try right. to be an open vessel. Well, that's a good thing to try to be. What was your favorite geek out moment? My favorite geek out moment. Um, it's uh, well, the uh, when I said I was inspired, and this the podcast that I do is inspired by Sylvester Stallone and Rocky. I, I when I saw that uh, movie for the first time, uh, my parents uh, when it finally came out the year after it came out, there was a VHS. They had it on copy. I would watch it every day after school. Rocky one and Rocky two and I, and then and then when First Blood came out, so like I would watch those, I would geek out on those. I would, I would know every line. I would I would you know know the trivia of of Sylvester Stallone. Uh, I had to go to a psychologist, you know, because I was an angry young man, and she said, you know, what do you, your mom tells me that you watch these movies all the time? You know why? And I said, well, I just like that. She goes, do you realize that those movies are violent? Maybe you know you're being violent because you know, I was like that is bullshit. But anyways, I peeked out. Like, on, yeah, that's why I watch them. <laughs> yeah. I'm a movie buff, not a not a television, not a music. I'm a movie buff, so I'll get together with movie guys, and certain guys can name who played second base, you know, for the the, the Dodgers in 1972, probably those. Um, but um, I could tell you who who you know directed you know X Y and Z, and you know 
with an Academy Award winning film in 1976, which is Rocky John G. Albertson. That is awesome. That is awesome. What is your most disappointing geek out moment? Oh, man. Uh, God, so many of them. That's a weird, that's an interesting question. What's your most disappointing? I never had, uh, I guess I, I'd have to, you know, I've never really had a disappointing geek. Well, how, how can you have a disappointing geek out moment? Can you give me an example? Oh, uh, well, yeah, right. a, yeah. you want to do our number one one, Mikey? Well, yeah. you know, like usually it's when your passions uh, maybe have been disappointed in something in particular. Uh, so people so, say the prequels like, of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, the prequels of Star Wars comes up a lot, um, but uh, yeah, there's uh, there, you know it's also a personal question. So. Oh, oh, like when were when you were you disappointed by some like some you were totally excited to do something? Yes, and, like I see a movie. I got one. I got one. I'm a huge Muhammad Ali fan. You can see his picture right behind me. Mm-hmm. And I know his biography really well. And in, in 1998, I just got done editing, doing ADR for my short film that I told you about. Did really well. And I was really geeked out on everything filmmaking. And I said, the Michael Mann was making Ali with Will Smith. And I think Will Smith did a great job. I just think the script sucked. I was so pissed off. I walked out of that movie theater. And I was like, they, 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 can I swear? Well, too late now, so it's okay. <laughs> okay. Like, I'll be doing a lot guy. of editing really in this that podcast. Shit up. That was so messed up. I was like, it was so pissed off. I walked out. I was like, I could have done a better job uh, than that. And I was really pissed off. And can I talk about one where I geeked out on the opposite end, where I like it was like it blew me away real quick? Well, that's so, your segment, so go for it, dude. It's around the same time, I think it was 1998, when I was doing the, the, the sound for that short film. And I saw um, uh, Spielberg's uh, Saving Private Ryan and those bullets under the water, you know, and, and the sound sure. effects and everything. Oh, and I was like, wonderful. Holy shit. Yeah, in the beginning when it shows you under, underwater shots. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is, this is Jordan, nothing but net, three points. Oh, yeah. And that I, scene when, you know, the whole D Day invasion was just amazing at the beginning of that movie. It was the best just, openings ever. Mm-hmm. Oh that, it blew me away. It was just awesome. It really puts you right there. Yeah, I mean, just everything about that is like writing, directing, act, the, the acting, cinematography, the, 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 the music to the, the, the picture, the sound. Uh, uh, go on. Oh, like, on. Now I'm ready to geek out. Let's do that's, it. That is awesome. <laughs> what geeks you out the most? And I think I know the answer to that already. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's of course it's film it's stand-up comedy you know it's uh acting the process of these things those are my passions you know um entrepreneurship is kind of like more in my dna rather than me geeking out on that although i do like that that, about that and because i've had you know uh, issues as a young guy and i i've become heavily involved in personal development uh in my early 20s ever since um i can geek out on on that, like why people do what they do, very Tony Robbins esque. But the most geek out thing I would pre- would talk probably be stand up comedy and um, filmmaking and acting. No, that's awesome. What turns your geek off? What's that? What turns your geek off? What turns my geek off? Um, I don't like um, uh, narcissistic uh, pessimism. They're just pessimist pessimists in the sense that. Pessimists with a sense of humor is wonderful. You know, pessimists that are um, 
you know, just to, you know, to make other people feel bad for being a geek. Geeking out. Mm-hmm. That, I don't like, I don't like the, you know, the negativity like that, you know, the people who don't want to be in a, don't, don't be so, you know, people that like, like make fun of other people, you know, I, I just, that, 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 that runs me out. No, understandable completely. I do a podcast about underdogs. What do you expect? Oh, of course. No. <laughs> but, you know, I'm somebody who's an optimistic pessimist, so it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, but as long as there's a, to me, if you have a sense of humor about something oh. and you're not, and, and, you're at, and your modus operandi is to make other people happy, you can be as pessimistic as you want. Don Rickles, who's the guy right behind me. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, I love him. Oh, he was the perfect one about it, you know? Yeah, that's perfect. That's He's one a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> what fictional character would you like to meet the most? Oh man. Well, whew, man, we don't we don't pull you know punches on the show. You have to remember those are, these are great questions. Of course, you guys have been doing this a long time. You know now, but you know this is where I should have prepared. Of course, I would like to meet Rocky, but you know what? That's just you know I, I would like what fictional character. You know, I'll tell you who right now, Iron Man. Iron Man, I love to meet Iron Man, hang out with Iron Man. Who billionaire playboy philanthropist? Uh yeah, just uh, come on. Okay. Iron Man with a guy like hanging with. Cool. What fictional character would you not like to meet? Uh well, I guess Thanos. Um Iron Man, Thanos, that would suck. Um what fictional just character? Just don't let him snap, you know. <laughs> Who was the guy? Because I'm Jewish. Who was who was the guy in uh, Captain America? That Nazi ass guy. Who was who was that guy? The Red Skull. His name. The Red Skull. The Red Skull. Yeah, I don't I don't want to meet him. Okay, I was going to say <laughs> Adolf Hitler, but you know, he's real. Yeah. He was unfortunately. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Oh God, this is great, man. Um, favorite geek word. I guess, uh, you know, George Lopez has a great, you know, he makes fun of like the white people line. He's like, yikes, you know, I mean, I think it's my, I like it just because of what, because of George Lopez. <laughs> That's awesome. Yikes. That's yes. awesome. That is awesome. What is your ideal geek occupation? Uh, well, being a stand-up comedian, you know, if the money wasn't, you know, if I didn't have a desire to make money, I just, I would just be in the belly room at the comedy store, uh, you know, and just doing stand-up uh, for, you know, 20, 30 people every night. And that would be, uh, that would be my geeked out occupation. That's pretty darn awesome, though. That is pretty. Yeah. What geek occupation would you not like to do, though? Uh, any, like, cleaning toilets. Uh, not that, you know, it just, uh, I just, have an aversion towards um dirtiness so i just you know i try to stay away from shit of all kinds so i think cleaning toilets nothing is wrong with cleaning toilets some people like that some people like look i'm cleaning the world that's great for me i just don't want to clean toilets that's our number one answer right there i bet you it is it is all right michael are you ready for your final question in the geek seat yes michael stein what is your ultimate geek fantasy Oh man, uh, I so wanted to be quick with these. You know what I mean? Like the the, the it would be to um, to have to 
I, I can't stop. It, it, there's certain comedians that are able to like, you know, sell out like, you know, Matt, it, it hit like a arena type status. It's so rare. You know, that would be great. I think there would be nothing better than the more people you can make laugh, that would be, that would be the best. That would be the keep out moment. That would just be like, it's a drug. You just can't get enough of that. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't, you know, I, I hadn't thought about that before. I don't know. Do we have anybody currently that can work a stadium? Yeah. Uh, um, Kevin Hart. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. right. Yep. Good call. But yeah, so few, so few. Yeah, there yeah, are. There's not certainly as many as there used to be. Well, there's you know still like uh, you know you know you might be a redneck and stuff like that and all them That's still true. tour yeah, yeah. and they right, fill stadiums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. imagine it's you just got a microphone and you're able to entertain somebody, and uh, and also it's not fit. It's it, it, it's entertainment where you have to show a result every you know every like four seconds five seconds mm-hmm. oh, yeah. a result for an hour straight oh yeah it's it. it's amazing what was it about two years ago we saw steve martin and martin short do a, you know a huge show and it was pretty amazing and and it was, it was pretty cool and you know of course you know they play music they do their comedy and even Steve had the uh, Steve Canyon Rangers with them, which was pretty awesome. And so it was him doing his banjo stuff. So it was just awesome. You know what's great about your questions? And if somebody doesn't prepare and like try to have set answers for it, you have to tell the truth because you can't, you don't want to have dead air. So, so you're like, <laughs> oh, you we've had dead air on the, don't worry, we <laughs> have had dead air. That's true. That's we worse have. though. You're not answering that. Like dead air is like the worst. <laughs> that's, that, that's, why, that. that's why we Dude, ended the show. So. We've had people fall asleep on our show before. So what? No, not yeah. you guys. You guys are great. So, well, Michael Stein, I've got some great news for you. You've made it through the Geek Tea. Congratulations. Huzzah! Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $36.04. I'm sure you would have no problem investing that and making millions. Um, I, uh, you need to I, teach us how to do that now. Absolutely. Braveheart. I know, right? Hey, uh, where can people find your uh, podcast? Where can people find out what you're doing? What's the, what's the, your new project? It's uh, well, they can find me at longshotleaders.com. That's the uh, that's my website, longshotleaders.com. And if anybody's got a longshot story uh, where they've overcome large obstacles to find success, it doesn't have to be money success, any any kind of success, you know. And you guys know what it is you know, to have that arc. Uh, let us know. Contact uh, our website and uh, let us know what your story is. We'd love to have you on the show. But they could find me there. They could find all my social at longshotleaders.com. And um, as far as my next project, it's uh, we're editing and uh, directing the documentary, Burning the Boats, about uh, the choice between passion and opportunity and a um, crazy film uh, called Love Hollywood Style. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Let's take a quick break, and we are going to back, and we are going to be talking all about Loki. Hi, 
Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. I was super excited to return to the ESO podcast this past week to talk about Black Widow, which was the first big-budget blockbuster I have seen on the big screen in a long time. It feels really good to be back at the movies, and I'm planning on heading to theaters again this weekend to see the G.I. Joe origin movie, Snake Eyes. Now, do I think that the world necessarily needed another G.I. Joe movie? Maybe, maybe not. The first live-action G.I. Joe movie is kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. I could give or take the sequel, but I feel like I'm still in that stage of just being so excited that big movies are on the big screen again that I'm really looking forward to seeing this, actually, and I really like the actor, Henry Golding, who is starring in this movie. I really loved him in the rom-com Crazy Rich Agents, and I have been kind of keeping an eye on him, and if he pops up in a movie, he's an actor that I'll go and see just based on the fact that he's in it. And then, of course, coming up soon, we also have the Jungle Cruise movie starring Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. I know I keep bringing up this movie, and I could very well end up with egg on my face if this is not as much of a fun adventure surprise as I think it's going to be, but I'm really looking forward to actually already have my ticket for this one as well. It'll be hard to get used to no more Marvel content on my Wednesdays now that Loki season one has wrapped up with a truly mind-bending finale. If you haven't seen Loki yet, it is just as cinematic, just as epic as the MCU films, and this series in particular I think is going to be incredibly important to what we're going to be seeing in the future of the MCU. This idea of the one version of the timeline that we're used to at this point is going to be blown completely out of the water. We're going to have opportunities for multiverses, alternate endings. I cannot wait to see what comes from this franchise. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog on the ESO Podcast website. This week, I'm planning on doing an article about the new Star Wars series, The High Republic. Hi, everyone. It's Nathan, host of the 42Cast. Our second season is just underway, and it's never been a better time to check in on what we're doing. Whether it's talking about the latest movies from the MCU, watching the Arrowverse shows, talking about classics such as Star Trek and Doctor Who, playing 8-bit video games, or sharing celebrity interviews, the 42Cast has something for everyone. So give it a listen, and discover why it's the ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. I know what this place is. The timekeepers have built quite the circus. And I see the clowns are playing their parts to perfection. Big metaphor guy. I love it. Makes you sound super smart. I am smart. I know. Okay. Okay. Please sign to verify this is everything you've ever said. This is absurd. Sign this too. We protect the proper flow of time. You picked up the Tesseract breaking reality. I want you to help us fix it. Why me? 
I need your unique, low-key perspective. Do I get a weapon? Nah. You really believe in this low-key variant? Luckily, he believes in himself enough for the both of us. It's adorable that you think you could possibly manipulate me. I'm ten steps ahead of you. You're not big on trust, are you? You can trust me. Hope you have studied almost every moment of your entire life. You've literally stabbed people in the back like 50 times. Why never do it again? Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. That's right, folks. Find, try to find your variant. It is time now to visit the TVA, and we are going to look at Loki, season one. That's right, season one. Let's have some fun, Mikey. Take it away. Yes, and as we said at the beginning of the show, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. Uh, not only oh, for God. Loki, but so probably, many spoilers. Not only for Loki, but probably all things MCU. Um, so, uh, with that being said, we've got a great crew to talk all about it here. Uh, some longtime friends of the station are here, starting with Rebecca Perry. Rebecca, it's been ages. Howdy. I has been. I feel like it's been. Howdy. I mean, well, you know, in the TVA, it's probably, it's only been a couple seconds, but, you know. That's true. Right, right. Yeah, time does work differently right. on, on our station. For all time, course. always. <laughs> You've been all right? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's great to be back on the show. And it's great to have you. We excited to talk about all these <laughs> We also have Will Nix with it's us. It's great that, you know, someone is interrupted for my introduction, so because I'll interrupt everyone. Uh, so thank you for having me on board. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. you got to hear what we've got to talk about for tonight, you know? <laughs> Oh, sorry. It's just getting used to, you know, for you interrupting it. Okay. All right. All right. So my own legend continues. So great. Thank you guys for having me back. I really appreciate it. We are glad to have you with us as well. And Van Allen Plexico is back with us as well. Joined by Kang. I wonder why I would have Kang. <laughs> I, joined- I wonder why I would have Kang yeah. on my desk right now. I actually just. I, I I have no idea. I like, what's the name of that guy? I don't, I don't really remember. Um, but uh um, yes, we are going to get into as much of that as we can. It's a short amount of time, so we're going to get right into it. And Rebecca, we're going to start with you. What were your expectations going into the series? And overall, were they met? Uh, well, I didn't really have any expectations. <laughs> so uh, they, were, they were pretty low. I mean, I, you know, I love Marvel. I love, I've loved so far all the movies and the shows have been great. Um, Really loved WandaVision. Um, I like the character Loki. So I thought, oh, this could be fun. And I knew, you know, oh, and it's filmed, hey, it's filmed here in Georgia. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it absolutely met my, exceeded my expectations. Um, I thought it was really fun. It was really well written. It was really well acted. Um, you know, I don't want to get into any spoilers yet because we haven't even started talking about the show. But uh, <laughs> oh, we are. yeah, I, I, I. I, I'm, I was, I was, uh, I got to where I was very excited each week 
Um, I like the fact that Disney is doing them weekly and not just throwing them all out, you know, like Netflix. So I can actually take my time and think about the episodes before I go back to, and actually I have something to look forward to each week, which is what I really like. So yeah, I can't, I can't, I already can't wait for next season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, me, me, I'm right there with you. Um, then they left it in such a place, but yes, we, we definitely want to know what happens next. Um, Will, what about you? What, what are your expectations going in? Well, they were pretty high because uh, Disney Plus is, had not messed up to me. I mean, I really enjoyed WandaVision. I thought that was well done. I thought Falcon, uh, excuse me, yeah, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was uh, way up there. And then this one, my expectations going in were it was going to be well acted. Tom Hiddleston is amazing. I mean, he really does no wrong. And, and the rest of the cast is just, I was like, really, a Wilson brother? And then all of a sudden, he's just, he's great. He's a great part of the show. So uh, exceeding expectations, I don't know if it exceeded, but it definitely, it, it's got me. Wait, can't wait for Doctor Strange. Can't wait for all the, the Marvel movies that this is all going to tie into, Ant Man and all that. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm just excited. Yeah. Van, what about you? Yeah. Well, first I would just say that Disney's done no wrong for me yet. Between Mandalorian, WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and now Loki, I'm yep. just like you know, Grand Slam, Grand Slam, Grand Slam, Grand Slam. I'm I'm perfectly happy, but it wasn't what I expected it to be. I went into it expecting to see Loki pulling cosmic heists. I thought it was going to be like a Donald Westlake meets Jack Kirby story, uh, but instead we got Loki in crime rehab and then a, an extended introduction to the next big bad. So. I'm happy with what we got. It just wasn't quite what I expected, but, uh, right. And I, I was, I'll, and I, without giving a spoiler, I was on the edge of my seat every episode looking for purple and green. And, um, <laughs> somebody, said, did, somebody said, did you really know? I said something about that. I said, somebody said, did you really know who it was and what was coming immediately? I said, purple and green, man. As soon as I saw purple and green, I was like, yes, so I was just dancing around the living room. My family thought I'm insane. It's just true. Um, by the way, can I just ask you, Mike, do we know, uh, we, I've heard all these references to two seasons. I know they said they're having two seasons coming, but the story I've heard, and maybe everybody's heard it, is that it was going to be one season and COVID struck and they had to stop production. So they kind of rewrote it to have two seasons with a breaking point rather than being one long thing. That's, that's what I've been told. Yeah, and that could be. I've heard that uh, COVID interrupted the something had to change in the last episode. Like I heard that Kang uh, Immortus or mm-hmm. Ma- the, he, he remains, he whatever, he uh, whatever yeah. you want to call him. Um, uh, I heard that he was only supposed to be in like the last like post credit scene, uh, but wow. then they they rewrote like the whole. thing thing and changed like the whole thing at the uh, at this episode like the last episode changed dramatically obviously um i don't know how much of that is true you know disney uh, across the board has pretty tight lips if they want to <laughs> they don't want to talk about something so uh, we might not know for another decade really what happened um uh, but as far as that goes you but um what's that well, what I was thinking is that the director came out and the, show, or the showrunner was talking about um, how Kang, the, the actor uh, John Majors, uh, was yep. was cast at the same time for this in Quantumania. And so right. it, I think they said he stole the show when he came on for this and it's like, oh, we really got to have him for more. So I think that I think that was one of the stories that she keeps putting out. I don't know how it ties into season two or anything That's like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, this says this 
this more than maybe anything else uh, that that certainly has been on Disney Plus as far as Marvel goes, has bigger implications I think for the MCU than than anything we know of. Like it's, by a mile, it's yeah. huge. Um, uh, I, it, it, well, I, I should say that it, it's possibly huge. You know, I don't does, think does, we've even scratched the surface though of what the outcome of what happened in this final episode is going to be. I think it literally sets the course for the MCU for at least the next 10 years. Well, maybe, maybe because uh, I am skeptical that it has anything to do with the next Marvel movie, which is Shang, uh, Shang-Chi, which we get like, is that going to be affected at all as part of this? Probably not. Uh, what about the Eternals after, right after that? I, I Who knows? Right. But, well, you know, Marvel is pretty good about tying. I mean, this is a show, but I mean, they've been good about tying in all of the movies into the, you know, as they're moving towards the different phases. So what they're going into, what is it? Phase four now? Mm-hmm. Phase four has started. Phase four began with, uh, well, movie wise, phase four began with, with Black, Black Widow. Widow. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, and I was really surprised because Black Widow did nothing to promote Shang-Chi, which is unusual for Marvel because they usually promote the next movie that comes out like right afterwards. And, and you can see where the timeline no, messed up because at the end, Black Widow spoilers, you can see where they were really tying into Captain and the Winter Soldier, I mean, excuse me, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and, yeah. and some of those. Yeah. And, and yeah, a lot of things that um, were, yeah, has aired in the incorrect order, we'll say. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, but real quick, before we move on to, because there's so much, uh, but I, I want to start with Mike uh, again, get your uh, initial reaction uh, to, well, what were you expecting and what was your initial reaction once you watched it? Truthfully, I didn't know what to expect because yeah, I knew it was going to be Loki from the end of, you know, end game that, you know, that it was the Loki that took the cosmic cube, but you know, you saw all these different scenes in the trailers, but you had no idea what it was going to be. You know, I thought he was going to become like this power mad, you know, God trying to get through these different Avengers adventures through space and time. And no, not no doctor who's talking, but we'll talk about that anyway, in a little bit, but we will, um, but you saw like scenes of President Loki, which you saw in the comics, and you saw, you know, King Loki and, you know, all these different things. So you were just thinking it was going to be a space hopping adventure. You didn't know what it was going to be. And my expectations for this were blown out of the roof, in all truth. And that's what I loved about it. And man, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, so let's yeah. get going. I um, I I'm with you. Uh, you know, look, Marvel has set the bar so high in their movies and their TV uh, series that, uh, in my mind, they they haven't faltered yet. I mean, certainly some in mine. Uh, you know, in my opinion, some are better than others, of course. But general as a general rule, the consistency has been unlike anything that I've ever seen, as far as a studio goes, as far as a uh, connected movie franchise goes it's just been unbelievable and and even if the you know something is wonky with a plot or a scene or whatever i know that it's going to be produced extremely well um by real professionals and it's going to look great the acting is going to be superb um and everything in that and so i know i you know it's sort of like rebecca was saying like even though i can't say i had high expectations because you know, it's Marvel. So I'm just like, it's, 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 it, it, 
it is what it is. It's going to be a Marvel thing. It's going to be good. Uh, Tom Hiddleston is always amazing in almost everything that he does. So, um, uh, so I knew that that was a, a sure thing. Um, I wasn't so sure about, I wasn't as sure about Owen Wilson because um, mm-hmm. he's hit or miss for me on things. Um, and, uh, I really didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, I saw maybe a couple of trailers, but I didn't really analyze them or give them much thought. So I didn't know what to expect. Um, certainly in the first, I rewatched in order to prepare for this, I rewatched the first episode and I rewatched the last episode. Um, and let me tell you that if you do that, if you go back and you watch the first episode and immediately watch the last episode, you would think that like six seasons passed in between. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. No, I mean, really. There's a, there's a lot that happens in these six episodes. Not each episode is almost like a season, right? Really? Um, of content. It's, it's absolutely amazing. But I think to Van's point, I, I sort of, it starts off and you think it's going to be some sort of buddy cop taking down a bad Loki, you know, variant thing. Um, and it turns out to be much different uh, by the last two episodes. Like everything is off the table and we're, we're into like, here's a preview of what's coming next. The land. Like um, it's almost like some of these TV series that Marvel's doing, they used to do these like 10 minute, 15 minute little short teasers for upcoming movies or characters or whatever. Now they've made them into like full series, but they, they do the same thing, right? Or they just like, they, they sort of like tell us a little bit more about a character. And in this case, I think the, the point was to prepare us for uh, the, the, the multiverse as well as to save Loki. Um, You know, uh, uh, Loki dies, of course, in Endgame. And uh, I don't think anybody was happy about that. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, so uh, here, here we get him again. We, we, Tom Hiddleston is back as Loki. And it looks like he's, you know, for the foreseeable future here to stay, along with like a bunch of other different Lokis as well. Um, let's get into specifically, and we'll start with you on this, Van. What, what specifically, what's one aspect of the series that you enjoy personally? I was going to say, you, you're right about it seeming like it so much happened week to week. It's like it had the feel to me of one of those serial novels where a different person writes each chapter and goes in a completely different direction. I was going to say like a different <laughs> person wrote each episode, but there are lots of TV shows where a different person writes each episode, but usually they have to follow the path that's predetermined by the showrunner. It was like this show had no showrunner, so every episode writer just kind of went, no, we're going to go over here. No, we're going to go over here. No, we're going to go over here, you know? Can I, can I uh, real quick, um, on that note, um, I know that the show, well, they don't have showrunners in Marvel, but uh, the, the, the main writer, the head writer of the series was his previous uh, work was with uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah. Now, from, I haven't, I don't watch a lot of Rick and Marty. I haven't seen a lot. I've seen a couple of scenes here and there, and I'm certainly aware of the reputation. So I've seen, you know, Pickle Rick and all that. Um, but there are times when this, this seemed like, oh, I can tell this is definitely by the guys who did Rick and Morty. Now, is that fair? I don't know. Has anybody here, does anybody here watch Rick and Morty? Are they I've watched, I've watched several seasons and it is very much that. It's that yeah. the variant is Rick and Morty. I mean, that's the, you can see where he borrowed that concept of the different levels of Rick, the different Mortys and how they interact throughout the universe and how they come back and the jokes to get out of it. But this was like a serious version of that. 
So, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of felt, especially the, the 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 penultimate episode of the season, the second to last episode, like where all the Lokis were fighting each right. other and everything. And I'm like, this feels like Rick and Morty. Like this really feels like uh, all the gags, everything there, and then the serious moment. Yeah. In, so. Instead, of, instead of Rick and Morty, we're calling it Loki and Sylvie. Yep. Uh, Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Did you have more? Yeah, no, I, well, my, you said you asked me what I liked the best, right? I think, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. I I think that um, other than maybe getting Kang, which is my big thing because he's one of my favorite villains, and I really need more Avengers movies so we can actually have Kang versus the Avengers. Um, mm-hmm. it can't it can't end with him and Ant Man. I mean, I, I said something. That's like that's like if that's like if. Dr. Doom showed up in the MCU and he was in the next Captain Marvel movie and that was it. You'd be like, what? You, you don't waste a massive villain in a, in a, you know, a B level solo movie. But my real, I think my favorite thing ended up for this ended up being that this show was basically an American Dr. Who series. And Oh, very much it, so. That's what I was into. It had the things that I like about Dr. Who and and didn't have a lot of the things that I don't like about Doctor Who. So it was, I was very, because it was a more edgy, you know, it wasn't like a Boy Scout Doctor Who. It was like the, the edgy, I'm, I'm I, five minutes ago, I was evil, you know, Doctor Who. So I appreciated, I appreciated that about it a lot. Well, that's why I thought, with, you know, when we got this is that, we'd get more of the D.B. Cooper that we saw, you know, the, those kind of alt-hit, right. alt-thick, alt-history right. kind of jokes. Right. That's what right. I thought this series was going to be because there's hints of him being at the grassy knoll, you know, all these jokes about him traveling through time and causing mischief. But what we got, it was kind of like a, tra- a trick. It's like we did that for like five minutes and then boom, we turn into this narrative that really is going to turn the Marvel Universe on its ear unless they completely write that out in a movie or two. I don't know if they are, but it looks like to me that this is the end of a Marvel era. So... It, I knew that yeah. uh, Van was going to mention Kang, and I, that's why I asked him first because I figured it was only it was inevitable, just like Kang himself. Um, <laughs> but um, okay, so you know the, the the you know he who remains was is in this movie. Um, he's never he's not called Kang at all. Um, he isn't Kang. He's, he's not Kang. He's not okay. Kang. No. So, no. Um, uh, but I mean. There is allusions to Kang, of course, throughout the series. Um, if you are not interested, if you are not, you know, if you're like me, not uh, not heavily knowledgeable about the comic history, you'll miss a lot of them. Um, so mm-hmm. some, in some ways, the ending comes out of nowhere. But I, I don't want to talk about that, but I, I'm sort of interested. We Okay, so we're introduced to a figure, a Kang-like figure here. I think it's safe to say. Immortal. Now, um, he, I think uh, this character, I think this character that you saw was closer to Immortus than Kane. Right. I, fine. Uh, Jonathan Majors, as, as Will pointed out, is it was originally hired to be cast in Ant Man the Wasp: Quantum Media. We are getting that movie scheduled right now in twenty uh, February of twenty twenty three. That's that's a ways yeah. like there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven Marvel movies <laughs> in between this and that, like right now and that movie, not to mention, Oh, I don't know. 15 series, maybe <laughs> like, um, so it's a, it's, it's quite an introduction. I, I have the feeling that the, this is going to have effects and we might see, Kang more often before that, before Ant Man, right? 
or a Kang-like figure. Or my question, it, yeah. my, my wait, first of all, my uh, question, my question to Van is though, as a fan of Kang, yes. how how are you feeling about the introduction of this character? Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, because the comics introduction is in the 40th century. Everything is like the Federation in Star Trek. Everybody's happy and it's nice and sweet and there's no crime and it's a glorious socialist workers' paradise. And Kang is like a throwback to the old days where he wants to go out and fight and conquer and win and dominate. And he he takes over the 40th century because they're a bunch of sheep. So then he starts traveling through time to go to centuries where there's an actual challenge and the Avengers are his greatest challenge. So he likes to come back to the 20th or 21st century to fight the Avengers because they can actually, they're like him in some ways, you know, they're really ready to go toe to toe with him. And so that's an interesting, you know, origin for a comic from 1965 or whatever. But in today's world, I like the idea that we meet Immortus first. And when you kill Immortus, you kind of pull the bottle, the, the, the stopper out of the bottle and all of the different possibilities come out. And we know from the last bit of that episode that apparently the one that's going to be like at the forefront is the one that's basically Kang, meaning uh, the Jonathan Majors, the he who remains guy who is not a nice guy, but is that I want to conquer. I want to fight. I want to dominate guy. And that's just a classic Marvel villain. And I think this was a wonderful way to set up the idea that first we meet a Kang that's benign. And when you do something bad to him, you've just made it so much worse. And that's what Loki was trying to tell Sylvie's. If you kill him, you're just going to make it so much worse. But she <laughs> couldn't believe it. She didn't trust anybody and she couldn't believe it. Well, she was, uh, she was, she was pretty focused on one thing. Yes. I mean, uh, at, at one point, um, you know, um, he remains said, grow up Sylvie. And she hasn't grown up right. because she's, she's sort of like, she's, she's sort a feral of like, child. She's a feral child. She's I mean, still the she's angry sort of, little girl. Yeah, it's like, right. She's like Batman. She's just obsessed, right? She can't get over that, that, that childhood incident. Right. And, and not blaming her. Right. Uh, she just didn't have anybody to, to help get her through that. So, um, right, right, exactly. Um, and, uh, and whether she not, she really does or not is still up in the air. For that was such a great um, line but, where Loki says, you can't trust and I can't be trusted. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. A lot of great lines. Exactly. In that oh, there were some amazing lines. Yeah. Uh, See, the thing is, you know, Jonathan Major, you know, <laughs> now has the role of a lifetime in front of him. He gets to appear in multiple Marvel movies, and each time he could play a different personality mm-hmm. of the yeah. same character. Yep. And he could play a different variant of Immortus Kang. You might even see a Ramatut pop up or something. So that would be totally awesome Ramatut. if he did. But, yeah, and because that's how he first appeared, actually against the fantastic four and so it it's just it's just amazing and you have all these different ones that you know you're going to see the one we saw at the very end in the statue in the tva that was definitely king that was king's outfit costume everything that you saw that was you know 
the Kang that we know, except minus the mask. Mm-hmm. And it was it was awesome. And it's an alternate TVA because it's yeah. not the yeah. one where they remember Loki. So I mean, it's just I, my only concern at the end of the series was and because of, only because of some of Kevin Feige's remarks. I'm saying his name. I always get it wrong. Is that is this the end of Marvel continuity? Because it, it seems like that they were heading in that direction. Because he said he's saying that we can't have ten years to build up to an Avengers film anymore. We can't have a ten year build up. We, and I'm going. That's what I really love about the Marvel universe is that we do tie it all together. We end up getting this penultimate event that is amazing because that's what Endgame is so great at. Is it ties in all the way back to the first Iron Man. This series redeemed not Thor two, <laughs> apart from Thor two. I mean, I mean, I mean, how hard is that? Hard. So, yeah, right. So. And I love the idea that um, some. I don't even remember who it was. Maybe it was Roy Thomas probably or, or Jerry Conway or somebody back in like the late sixties, early seventies made the decision that Kang who debuted in the Avengers. Okay. Not fantastic four was the same character as Rama Tut who debuted in fantastic four just because, Oh, that's a clever little story twist for one story. And by making that one silly little throwaway story decision, it meant that for Disney to use Kang, they had to buy 20th Century Fox. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they did that. That is a heck of a Yeah, it wasn't Deadpool. It wasn't wasn't the (laughs) X-Men. No, no. It was Kang the Conqueror. But it's true. They're not saying it's why they did it. But in order to do it, they had to. Right, right. No, I get it. They had Well, by... To tie into Loki, to get all the good storylines that we need, we need villains. And Fox owned all the good villains. Let's just go ahead and say it. When Disney buys them, they get Kang, they get Doctor Doom, they get Magneto, they get Galactus. the bad guys. Yes, Galactus, yeah. And honestly, I mean, I was really surprised that Kang has come before Galactus. I thought Galactus was going to be our next big bad. I really did. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I'm not disappointed. It's just like, okay. Well, Kang. Right. Well, I'm, a- I'm actually glad, though, because yeah. Galactus is, you know, same level as Thanos, and this is different. You know, different. It's completely different, and you know, like even in the final scene when Loki and Sylvie were both going after he who no name or whatever he was called himself, the jerk. The you jerk, know, yeah. but and you know when they were going after, him, and he was time jumping. You know, and he knew exactly. He's like, it's all here on the script. You know, it's like it, it would have been funny as hell. If it was actually the script from the <laughs> episode or something, <laughs> that would be great. Uh, pretty, for all intents and purposes, uh, it might as well have been. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rebecca, um, what is something about the series that you uh, really personally like enjoyed? I loved seeing all of the different iterations of Loki. I thought that was really fun because, unlike you guys, I'm not quite as knowledgeable about the comics. I mean, I know a little bit. But to see all the different versions, but then I had to go back and look and see, like, was that really in the comic? Was there really an alligator? <laughs> was there this? <laughs> um, but I actually do have a question for you guys, and this may have already been uh, explained. But so we know that Odin took Loki. He was a frost giant baby, right? Brought him to Asgard, yep, kind correct. of glamored him to look how he looks, like to make him look like Tom Hiddleston. Um, but they did also establish in the TVA that magic doesn't work. So why is it why Loki, is it Loki blue? blue? Or, I mean, I guess you could also say why didn't he revert back to blue when Odin died? But, I mean, 
it's just one something that um, I suddenly popped into my head while I was watching the last episode, and I thought, oh yeah. <laughs> but maybe they explained it. I don't know. They didn't, and I think a lot of, <laughs> it's the same reason they didn't explain why he didn't go away when Odin died. I think it's the whole concept of Odin, uh, Loki now controls who who he is himself, what he looks. And they don't like. want to cover Tom Hiddleston so, up with a bunch of blue makeup. <laughs> That's, no, that's, no. The, that's the real reason. Yeah, <laughs> Tom doesn't. Tom doesn't want to sit in a chair for three hours. Uh, yeah, don't blame him. Uh, I mean, he's an executive producer of the series. No, the executive producer's not going to arrive at like four in the morning and sit in a chair for four hours. Uh, but, but to see the different variants of Loki was just awesome. Starting with Sylvie, of course. Sure. But then to see Richard E. Grant as the oh, comic accurate so, Loki. I was just awesome. I can't think of more perfect casting. If you were looking for someone to play, like if you were making Thor 15, 20 years ago, Richard E. Grant would have been your guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Exactly. And, you know, because it's like we talked about when we did the uh, Walt Simonson episode not that long ago. Before the Simonson era, Loki was not, you know, uh, gray gray anti-hero he was just the mustache twirling bad oh yeah guy. And oh yeah yeah that and who looked like richard e grant loki <laughs> <laughs> well to the t and, and you i also love that you got a kid loki also i was great and how did you i killed thor that that line i i, I killed thor i'm just going okay <laughs> this got really dark in a good way <laughs> And and of course and of course uh, what do they call him Crocky? I'll go with that one. Oh, Loki Finoki. That's, 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 that's good. Awesome. That's good. Um, I think we got our winner there. That's not that that is, somebody that is, on Facebook, you know, but that's and that's because uh, you know in the same episode there is uh, in the background we do see Throg, right? We do see Thor as a frog. Uh, yep. who's actually voiced by Chris Helmsworth. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he does the... Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is. Um, So if you're looking for your Chris Helmsworth cameo in this in this series, there you go. Um, but, and, and that, I knew that was a comic thing. But like you, Rebecca, I didn't know that if there was a real Loki gator, but apparently I, I can't find any evidence of it. It must, but I'm I'm guessing since since that episode in particular was written by another, yet another writer of Rick and Morty, I'm thinking, yeah, the guys who did Pickle Rick are doing, like, Alligator <laughs> Loki. I mean, that's just like, <laughs> that's the thing, like, and I think, you know, to their credit, you know, Disney's got another merchandising hit on their hands. They've got another Baby Yoda, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I saw yeah. socks. I saw socks being advertised on Facebook yesterday. Loki, uh, alligator Loki socks. That's the one. The alligator Izod Loki shirt. It's like the old Izod '80s shirts, yeah. but with the little alligator Loki yeah. on it. A little. It's coming. It's coming. That that and uh, that Miss Minutes. I've seen a lot of <laughs> Disney oh merchandise already with Miss Minutes on it. Yes. So. Um, all right, uh, Will. What's uh, what's an aspect of the series you really enjoyed? I love the DB Cooper effort, little. Oh, oh my! Nice. I thought that was that was so funny. I mean, I, I was hoping, and then after seeing that, I thought I was hoping to get a little bit more of that. That was a little bit to me. The, not having more of those was a little disappointing. But at the same time, that homage, that little bit of Thor bit, uh, couldn't do it. I was like, that is so great with them. And I like the fact that they played with Sylvie. I think that introducing her as one's Loki Berry, but also kind of giving her the Enchantress 
you know, that, because that dynamic was always great in the comics, you know, Loki and the Enchantress, both with the common goal, take out Thor, take it out somehow. I thought having that kind of, that kind of balance in the show, because you never felt like Tom Hiddleston just dominated the show. She comes in and she's amazing. Yes. Oh, and it was amazing, literally, from the scene, you know, very first scene where she pops up. Right. And at that huge, whatever, you know, supermarket or Ultra Walmart or Ultra Rock Walmart, yes. Alabama. Yeah. Which was Alabama exactly. Walmart, yeah. Alabama Walmart. But you know, which is North the Cab Mall. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I gotta say, somebody pointed out it, that was the most unbelievable thing about the entire series was that you could have a giant Walmart in Alabama, and when they walked in the door, it wasn't all Auburn and Alabama football gear. That was completely <laughs> even in 2015. Yeah, yes. oh, and this took- yeah especially in 2050. Come on, yes. Um, That's when Auburn will win again. Uh, the uh, uh you know the uh, oh, yeah, I'm on whoop so, well I, I I might say something uh, also a little controversial here because um although I I think that Sophia Del Martino right is that her name uh did a pretty good job as Sylvie um I I wasn't excited and I didn't feel chemistry between them. Um, the only, I know that script wise, plot wise, Hiddleston sold me on it, that he was, that he was in love, but I, I didn't, I didn't feel the connection between them two. Um, and that, that made episode three, like really long for me. That was the difficult one for me because they spent, they spent episode three building that. And I, I, it just didn't work for me. Well, Mike, so that means that means you have no soul, Mike. I'm sorry to tell you this. Of course, yeah. Sorry, know. Mike Gordon. Uh, that's uh, you know usually that role goes to my co-host Faber, uh, but uh, I'll take it here. <laughs> for tonight, well, thought, I'll have a soul. I thought that went with. I thought we went with in, into six very well with her not ever her never connecting with him and pushing him into another universe because that really showed that there was that disconnect and distrust, and he's working at being a better person, but she doesn't care. She's right. really, it's an end, it, to me, it really fits she, with her character. I think she, uh, he's an end to, to her, a means. To her credit, I think, you know, she cares. She's conflicted, but the end result is she's... She's, she's, she's going to do what she wants. She's too, she's too fixated on this has to be done right. uh, at all costs. Um, uh, so, uh, Mike, uh, what's, what's uh, something about the series that we haven't mentioned yet that, uh, that you personally enjoyed? the 10th floor of the Marriott. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that? Oh, I'm sorry. Is that what that was? I'm sorry. I didn't hear like 80,000 people on <laughs> Facebook and social media like get a tick excited. <laughs> exactly. It's like, exactly. That day, that day was like, I felt like, yeah, I felt like that a million. <laughs> Uh, thousands of Dragon Con fans reached out and and were in awe uh, in recognition of of that of that floor. Um, it was, was pretty it was awesome. awesome. It was awesome. It was... To see. No, I love I love the TVA. I thought it was a neat setup. I loved the buildings. I loved it. Felt retro, but it felt modern, and well, that was <laughs> what made it really cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's so true. That is really true. And I loved how even all the equipment felt retro. And, but, you know, and it was even the player that they were showing Loki's life on and, you know, was playing it through was an old, you know, film projector. And it was, it was great. 
it was really awesome um i you know i didn't really care for the woman who was the judge or what i, I didn't either Ivana. i can't Ivana. Yeah. yeah yeah okay I, I, now we are gonna fight because i loved ravana renslayer so no i thought she i thought she was horrible i was wow it was I thought she was not an interesting character and I, you know, I enjoyed, you know, it's like, oh, they're going back to her again. And, you know, I liked her in the comics because, you know, she has a huge tie with, with, uh, with Kang and everything. And so, yeah, and she probably will, but I, you know, I'm more, I was more interested in Miss Minutes than I was her. (laughs) Can I say as as an educator though, she really was a a, a principal who thinks they can do it all. <laughs> so, of course she was. I mean, I mean, she played. She played a character. I was like, "Wow, they captured an educator right there." <laughs> do everything because as an administrator, anyway, it's like, "Hey, uh, I can do everything. You know nothing." I mean, that's how she treats it. Yeah. So, if I know going and into it, this but, that the TVA was this powerful, I would have said the next big bad would be FDR. <laughs> oh. 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 I didn't know the Tennessee Valley Authority had all this power, man. That's pretty impressive. What amazing what a few dams on rivers can do for you, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Too bad the logos are different. That would have been oh, great next, to get the, the uh, next it'll be the FDIC. I, I do think though that towards the second half, some of the great character work that they had done in the first half of the series. Um, they just kind of stalled that because they were too busy. I think their primary goal was to put over uh, this new destruction of the multiverse thing and, and, or introduction, reintroduction of the multiverse. And that's a good question. Is it being reintroduced or is this the actual conflict that was there originally? Like, you know, yes. um, <laughs> yeah right that's that's the thing that's yes. I mean, right. yes it's yes it's... timey-wimey right um but uh and so i do think some of the characterizations in particular um i thought in the first uh two episodes because he's not really in the third one much but i thought in the first two episodes owen wilson was really fun and amazing the la- the second two episodes i felt like he didn't really have a lot to do and he was kind of flat, like, especially in the last episode. Um, and, and, and I will agree that that scene between them, uh, between Renslayer and uh, Mobius doesn't, doesn't really, it doesn't mean anything. Even the second time I watched it, I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel here. Or where's she going? I mean, that was my problem with her character. It's like, where is she going at the end of this? Well, um, I, I think, um, well, I mean, she gets, Miss Minutes tells her where to go. It's, right, it's, but, it's right, the information it you need, and and we're not supposed to know where she goes. Right, so. and it's, but I'm saying that it's just like we've already got the he who remains. She says, she says, you know, she says that um, because right there she says that the only one with free will is the one who's in charge of it all. And then when he asks her where she's going, she says to find free will. So she's going to find the guy who's in control of it all. So yes, Mike, you're right. Renslayer and and you know Kang in some form are probably going to hook up that way. So, uh, so I, I do see that foresee that happening. Um, exactly when and where, uh, you know, that's TBA, <laughs> not TVA, <laughs> TBA. Uh, um, but um, so I will, I will say that. Um, but as far as, as far as things I liked, I really like the idea. This is like, you know, we saw 
one division deal with uh grief and getting over grief and the stages of grief and all that and that seemed to be the the over like the permeating theme of that show um falcon and winter soldier was very relevant to things today um i did not expect in this series to get this uh massive thematic quality of of what is what is free will and whether or not you know it exists or at least in the mcu we're led to believe that it it really doesn't exist because uh, certain instances of free will, almost all of that is cut off by the TVA when there's a, there's a variant. Um, it, and- was amazing. it was amazing when Loki first got there. Sorry to interrupt you, Mikey. But anything he was saying was being printed out. Right. That was cool. And, and that just goes show that you don't have free will. It's all been premeditated. Which is all. a weird redundancy because it's printed out there, but we know that the man upstairs already has a book of it. <laughs> like he already has the copy like it doesn't need to be printed out again um bureaucracy at its best though, or worse in <laughs> exactly um, exactly i thought with go ahead mike sorry no no i just want to finish up though but i find it really interesting because like it, so to me loki like our loki or whatever you want to call him loki prime uh tom hiddleston's loki um avengers and uh avengers loki <laughs> um he i was I did not expect, uh, even though I should have, I did not expect that was the Loki that we were going to get in the in this series. And I also did not expect that the the God of Mischief, especially that version of the God of Mischief, um, would, by the end of it, uh, be on the side of losing free will and and choice. Um, and that that journey that he took to get there i totally was invested in and i and i bought uh hook line and sinker even to the effect that not just because of not just for the timeline's sake but almost (laughs) they're almost saying because he's found someone and because he's in love with himself but (laughs) with a version of himself because he's in love that also has removed some of like his free will which i think is an interesting you know, discussion about uh, whether or not, uh, you know, there's free will in, in relationships. But um, I, I just did not expect that kind of discussion, that kind of uh, premise in, in this, in a Marvel series. Well, what I was going to go to is one of my, one of my favorite scenes with the Fantastic Four is, is a tribute to Jack Kirby is that they, after he dies, is they, they find him, the creator, and, and, and it's them visiting him and he's pretty much God. And so this reminded me that the ending reminded me more of that than it did any of this free will versus predestination, you know, any, any, any debate. Because at the sense you got this, here's it, it was almost to me an egotistical shot at Kevin Feige and and, and, and uh, Joss Whedon because these are the guys who created this interconnected universe and decided which plots we were going with and which one were we going to. So I'm going, oh, so Kang's nothing but Kevin deciding. <laughs> What movie gets made next week, and what and what do we greenlight next? I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> it's not like it's bad product. I'm just I thought that was that was my interpretation. It was it was a it it, it could be self referential too. Yes, yeah. I could see that. They could be it could be kind of meta. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, that's not un, that's not uncommon. I know. I don't like the term either. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I I you know I certainly allow for that. Um, I was. I was struck, though, um, I will say that after my first viewing of the finale, 
I was not entirely comfortable with how it ended and the episode as a whole, because I almost felt like not as severely, but I almost felt like I had been matrixed. Like I thought like, you know, cause the <laughs> matrix, like the big matrix ending finale where Neo finally meets like the thing or whatever the got, I don't know. I, it's been so long and I don't want to revisit <laughs> it, but, <laughs> but it, right. But it just like, I'm like, please don't let this, you know, if is, does this work? only because Jonathan is so damn charming and good. And I think, I think the answer is that it, 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 if, he, if you got a lesser actor in that role, that this finale fails. Because, because unlike the other two Marvel shows, the other two Marvel shows built on, uh, like they had all these like red herrings and they had all these things like, like you know wandavision like here comes morpheus here comes morpheus here comes you know and and uh no sorry mephisto mephisto Mephisto. sorry here comes mephisto right morpheus showed up yeah i was trying to be on his jet ski right (laughs) exactly so um but that didn't happen you know and a million fans cried out and then were made ridiculed because like hey that marvel doesn't do that and the same thing with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, power broker. Who's the power broker? That's going to have real, real ramifications. Oh, it can't be as simple as Sharon Carter. Oh, yes, it is, right? So here we have a series where it's building, building, building. Who's the big bad? Who's the big bad? Who's the big bad? Oh, it's some guy we've never seen before. If you are not familiar with the comics and you're not familiar as much uh, with Kang at all, I mean, is this satisfying? Because uh, you got a guy out of nowhere. It's all of a sudden like a Wizard of Oz type ending, right? Well, I mean, I think if you want to look at it like that, to me, Marvel's going in two different directions in a, in a good way. Is that you're going to get this multiverse side, and then you go get the reality side where we're dealing with things. Because you see this at the end of you know the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You see at the end of Black Widow where they're building up to either like the Dark Avengers or some sort of street level something's going on. So I really, I, I think that with the multiverse, it's a way to pull in all these other properties that we've talked about. It's the best way to introduce Deadpool, you know, and have him, you know, even though he got his introduction in a, in a commercial, not just the other day. So it's, it, to me, it's, it's either a cheap way out or it's going to be brilliant storytelling. There can't be in between. So I, I love how I, like all the Marvel fans are hanging onto that commercial now as being like, right. You know, it's canon. Like it's canon. I'm like, yeah. seriously, like, is anything with Deadpool canon? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Uh-huh. Um, all right, so um, we're gonna like uh, we're getting. So, what's another thing? Uh, this is sort of a last round around. So, uh, what's one other thing, Rebecca, that uh, that um, either you liked or you didn't like about about the series? Well, uh, I mean, like I said, the one thing that I, I did really like, I liked um, all the stuff at the TVA, and I liked the discussions about time and the way it was branching off like trees. And um, I thought that was really interesting, and I kind of wanted to hear a little bit more about that. Um, and but like I said before, I don't know as much about the comics as you guys do. So you know, some of the stuff did like you know, I know there was a lot of little Easter eggs in the background when they were in the void and things like that. That I know friends that were like, "Oh my god, the Thanos, that, the yeah. Thanos, like, the Thanos like, helicopter." I, I did see that, oh, but the, I'm like, I love the Thanos helicopter. I don't know. I, I, I didn't know the thing about Kang. So, but it makes me did, uh, let me back. ask you this: Did did it did, did it still it did, work for it you? Still worked. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. Um, and it now makes me want to go and read. 
those stories. And oh, even so, better. <laughs> you can avoid the well, well, you can, well, you, can, you, can like, you can you can uh you can private message van i'm sure he'll give you a complete library of uh of of, of books to, to to go for rebecca i have all the avengers essentials i'll lend you those you'll be filled up with <laughs> <laughs> wow. yeah. hi you just realized this We've been yeah. uh, guilty is charged Proud nerd card. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I planned my year around Dragon Con, so I can't say anything. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Will, what about you? What's something else uh, about the show series? Um, I, I I enjoyed it. I, I my big word is is continuity. I'm really worried that the one thing I love about the Marvel universe over DC and all the other comic book properties that we have out there is that. Everything fits together, and there's a reason to watch every movie, even the bad ones, you know. And I don't want to lose that. And I, I really worry at the end that we might be heading in that direction. So, can I can I offer a? Uh, I don't know if it's a palatable for you um, alternative, uh, but to me, um, I feel like like Kevin and crew uh, had that that three phase uh, mm-hmm. storyline. 20 some movies, whatever it was, and uh, concluded it with Endgame and then said, All right, what's next? And like, they don't want to repeat themselves. Right. I agree. With like, that. It, I mean, it would be yeah. easy enough to just like, Oh, let's just pick another villain, just do another like 10 movies, build it up, build <laughs> it up, build it up, and then try to do some like epic thing finale uh, in an Avengers movie or something. But I, I don't know. I feel like, um, I feel like they're, they're like, we've been there, done that. Let's see what else we can do. Plus, they also have the challenge of, of incorporating all these new char- these, these characters from Fox into their new universe. And- oh, dude, this whole episode just opened up all the, all the, yeah, well, not just Xenomorphs. that, but. <laughs> I see Xenomorphs fighting. Well. <laughs> hey, they're Fox. You they're could, like Disney. Okay. Mm, possibly. Maybe. But you could also now, you also have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is now possible again. Yeah. You also have now also all the Netflix series, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, all that is possible again. And God forbid we have the Daredevil Ben Affleck, or we have, um, you know, you also have the Fantastic Four. Can we have the and Dolph I- Lundgren Punisher? That's what I want. <laughs> Well, there's been, you know, you're going to get characters from the different Spider-Man movies. Yeah, we're already hearing um, about this. I'm, I'm like, telling yeah. you, if Nicholas yeah. Hammond isn't in it, I'm not interested. <laughs> it gives Lou Ferrigno a chance to put on green makeup again. Come on. I just want um, to point out that they didn't plan all this when we got the first phase of Marvel movies either. It's not like yeah. they started on day one building toward Avengers Endgame. So they can do phase four with no plan in mind at all. And it won't be any different than the first. And they can still build toward another big event, you know. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the one thing I enjoyed about it was that. I mean, because it, it allowed me to enjoy Guardians even more, knowing that it connected to a bigger sure. universe. You know, it, it, it just allowed more enjoyment for me. Again, I'm not saying that they can do wrong because honestly, you look at phase one and two and people don't give it credit because of, you know, controversy of that, but Joss Whedon is phase one and two. I mean, the reason you have 
this level, and then the Russo brothers. We can say Kevin Feige all we want, but we we got to we got to give credit to these directors that really. And you got to you got to put Favreau in there too. And Favreau and James Gunn, and I mean, just all these great writers and directors who came came along. It's not just one man. So I'm just saying, I hope it doesn't end that system of continuity. I mean, that's all. I'm not saying that it's got to be my way or the highway. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think we've seen evidence that it's just going to, you know, be. I'm chaos. saying it could. You know, you just... right, right, right. And 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 really, that could be the whole story. Maybe it's going to be chaos for a few years. There you go. And then yeah. they're going to figure out how to how to wrap it up. You know, um, Earth Prime. So. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And I'd love to see them bring in a Miles Morales. Would, would be I think this really is the great awesome. way to do it. I think it's yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Van, what about you? What's another thing that you want to? I liked that. I felt like the sh- the series had three phases to it. Okay, there was the first phase where we hadn't met Sylvie yet. She was just an un uh, a, a, an unnamed threat out there, and we didn't know anything about her. And Loki kind of had to carry he and he and Owen Wilson's their interactions had to carry the show the first two or three episodes. And that was when we were learning that Loki, remember, the Loki we liked is the one that had turned kind of halfway good and he died. So the the writers were kind of in a box where they had to start over with a Loki that was still bad. So the whole first episode had to be Loki goes to rehab to become the Loki we like. So once they spent the first episode getting him back to where we like him again by showing him how bad he was and having to deal with it and all, then we, meet, yeah, then we meet Sylvie, and phase two is, is Doctor Who. It's Sylvie and, and Loki running around with Loki and his companion running around having adventures on weird alien planets, right? The third phase was now here comes Immortus slash Kang slash whatever you want to call him. And at that point, like you said before, Mike, it really could have gone off the rails because it, it goes, you come up to the big finale, the big climax of the story, and instead it's more like the prologue to a whole other story. It's like if you ripped off the last chapter of a novel and stuck the prologue of some other novel onto it. And I thought the only thing that saved it, you said it was partly his performance, and I agree with you. I think the other part that, that saved it was that middle section had given us Loki and Sylvie and their chemistry, such as it was, and that in the last phase, as they kind of circled Immortus or whatever and and argued over it, that was all that kept, I thought, the third phase good, kept yeah. saved it, was that they were, they were dealing with it, you know. Yeah, I will agree with that, too. That whatever was going on with Immortus and the plot and everything like that, that way, the, the, they were still on point to tell us about like the, the, you know, to give us that story between Sylvie and Loki. And more importantly, to get about Loki and, and him, because I would argue that maybe by the end of this, he's grown even more so than he did before he died. Yeah. The, like the other yeah. Loki. Oh, I completely think he has. Yeah. That's Cause he's actually obvious. met, he's actually met someone that he has fallen in love with. Himself, 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 which is course, just yeah. uh, which is awesome, right? But it's so Loki. <laughs> well, he makes a cute lady, apparently. So you know, <laughs> yeah. If Sylvia looked like Richard E. Grant, it might be a different story. Right? <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. or or um, Loki with a wig. You know, they could have gone that route. <laughs> I honestly was not. I was not waiting for that. I was really hoping that they had some fun with it. And just, uh, 
there's so much there's so much to this series that I mean, you know, Mike said a minute ago about um, you know Miles Morales. How easy would this be to introduce him now? I mean, and to allow either Sony takes off with that Spider-Man or Disney takes off with that Spider-Man, and you know Tom Holland has to pick which universe he's going to exist in. Because they really, I mean, I'm serious. You could honestly introduce Miles Morales in a multiverse sense, and that's that's the Sony verse. It's still a part of the the multiverse, but it's not really a part of our main storyline. Yeah, why didn't they prune yeah, Sony? Why weren't they sent to prune? <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, so, nip nip those nip those Venom movies right in the butt, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or that uh, that uh, Mobius movie that we're supposed to get, right? Mobius, yeah. Mobius. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a as you know, not the Mobius movie. Yeah. That, <laughs> that would be great. It'd be just him jet skiing. Jet skiing everywhere. They're doing another Blade movie, aren't they? Yes. Yes, they are. Yeah. They they just announced the director today. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Um. Well, have I asked you about the final thing yet? You did. You did. Okay. So, Mike, is it up to you now? One of the plot lines that they did drop and they didn't really touch on was when Sylvie dropped all those bombs through time. Right. And what happened with that? You know, that, you know, and started creating the the different variants, you know, throughout time and everything. That just disappeared after the second episode. You know, you know, everything was going off and everything. They and she set off all these time bombs, no pun intended, um, through, you know, and Intend the pun. To go through the TVA (laughs) and to hurt them and to distract them from something. And it ended up that, you know, nothing else was said about it. Nothing. And, you know, could it have been that he and he who shall not be named shall, what did, you know. That's a different franchise. (laughs) I know. But you would hate me if I called him Voldemort all the time. So it would be okay. (laughs) So, but. But yeah, so that was dropped, but I loved the show. That was my weakness, but I agreed the whole third episode was a Doctor Who episode completely. A better one than with Chibnall. So it was even better. And yes, I did throw that down there, right there. So, <laughs> but it was it was great and I enjoyed there was not much that I didn't enjoy and this is getting a lot of hate and I'm really surprised that people were like Oh, this ending, it was horrible. It was awful. It's like, you guys are not forward thinking and laying, you know, looking at the future. This set so much down. This set the Marvel universe literally going on forward for the next decade. I almost guarantee it. Oh, it has to. I mean, yeah. I think with, if the multiverse isn't where they're going, they've invested in, in, in They've, they're going to have to invest in so much time because there's no other way to explain where the Eternals have been. There's no other way to explain, you know, all these other connecting things that we've not seen so far that are coming in. I mean, how do you explain that these great, powerful things haven't been involved from the time? Well, here's a good way to explain it without having to overcomplicate it. Right. I mean, That's true. I mean, That's really true. But you also have two two movie titles, you know, Spider-Man, you know. Yes. And then you also have... Uh, Doctor Strange, the you know, with the multiverse of madness. Come on, it's right there it's in right the right title. There, you guys. <laughs> well, I, I, honestly, I was more surprised them announcing a season two. I really, you know, I really was shocked at that because only not because I felt the story is complete. There's a lot more they could tell, but I, honestly, is it going to be another bridge 
between the next phase of movies, is, is, if that makes any sense. Because when is this going to come out? Well, exactly. But the thing is, in you know, Loki's already scheduled. To, you know, Tom Hiddleston's already been on set with the new Thor movie. He's right. already been on set in on the Doctor Strange movie. So it, this might, the second season of Loki might be something completely different than what we're even exactly. expecting. Exactly. So it just, it'll be real interesting to see where it goes. It, yeah. I, uh, but then, yeah, you do sort of, yeah, let's see. It, it's sort of weird because, I mean, Disney's in this really good and really uh, tenuous position where, they uh as far as the marvel stuff goes where they you know look i don't want to see them become like i felt like marvel comics was where they all their big events were just things that led up to other events and other events, like this, yeah. no it was just a continuation of one event after another after another after another and it, it at least it's not a summer of crisis again. there wasn't there wasn't a story Amen. that just was like beginning and uh and then end it was just like this ongoing like thing that just never ended and i i like i like marvel telling stories and you know they don't have to end like everybody dies at the end or whatever but i mean they have to the story should reach a conclusion right and uh in some ways and uh and they do kind of you know Again, sort of, they're self-aware of that, of what they're doing, because uh, you know the, he he uh, who remains actually like pointed out, made fun of the hero's journey, like you know, you, you know the journey you guys took, you know, uh, the changes that you made, and all that kind of stuff. And this is the point where you know uh, you reach that conclusion or whatever, and he sort of sort of starts talking about that for a little bit. Um, to English so, teachers' delights everywhere, by the way. I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> I get it, I get it, I get it. And, and George Lucas fans. Um, yes, yes. So, um, uh, but um, I will say that one thing that I, I liked, uh, and I, we talked about a little bit of it, but the, you know, even though I, I, I cast down a little bit um, on, on the character or the, the, the casting of Sylvie, I don't want to take anything away from Sophia, the actress, because I think she gave it everything she had. I just, if there's chemistry, you know, either you have it or you don't. And that's a subjective thing. I didn't feel it. Other people did. So I get it. Um, but as far as everybody else in the cast, uh, I thought they were amazing. Again, uh, I really like the character of Renslayer and I love the actress that plays her. Um, that's another Doctor Who tie-in. Um, Miss Minutes, Tara Strong rocking that character um i mean we couldn't just wait to see her again um and you know and 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 even bringing it up so that's like you actually kind of think at one point she might be the big bad Mm -hmm. yes yes um we mentioned richard e grant um the return of sif that's okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got all about that. I, I love the fact that she's back. I, I hope that Loki. Yeah. Loki didn't forget about it. Exactly. Loki didn't forget. It. No, <laughs> no, he didn't. I'm glad that they brought her back. I, I mean, when she was relegated to Agents of Shield, it made me mad. Uh, I, I'm like, where is this major character in Thor's life gone? You just kind of just. After Thor 2, she doesn't exist anymore, you know? So. Yeah, you don't, yeah, well, obviously it was a, you know, thing that their schedules couldn't, like, Jamie Alexander just couldn't get there, but, um, because I think she, well, 
Look, if she avoided dying in Ragnarok, then good for her. Yes. <laughs> yes. For not for not That's, doing that. If she had been in that movie, Probably. she would be dead. That is exactly it. But I don't but I don't know that she is back because no, this was I, like a little I, no, loop I just, thing. This I just wasn't meant that. now. Because obviously yeah. it was from his past. Um so so yeah, right. she's not we don't know what her status is like. I heard Thor: Love and Thunder. Exactly. I, that I, I just, yeah. I just enjoyed seeing her again yeah. in that role. Um, and uh, I also have to give a yeah. shout out too because a, a good, a decent friend of the, the station, someone who's been in the geek seat here, um, uh, Hannah, and I can never pronounce her last name right, so forgive me. But it's, uh, it's Hannah. Uh, I think it's Aslan, right? Uh, she was actually a, um, uh, she had a little part as Minuteman number five. Uh, so I I give her a lot of like props for being in a Marvel movie. Uh, you know, it's a, a good thing uh, for to see her. To well, Brianna Lamb, Brianna Lamb, the Lady Nerd. If you follow her, she comes. You know, she's a big Dragon Con fan. She was the body double for Sylvie and for Loki. Yeah. So and if you, yeah, so if you get a chance to watch Brianna, she's awesome. So she, she used to be my roommate. Yeah. So. <laughs> see, I, I, and and just a wonderful human being. So yes, she is. Well, we're we're out of time, which is great. Um, I mean, we can just reset and and you know, <laughs> and all we'll all go our separate ways, and then come back and do this all again on an endless loop. Um, so it'll be it'll be fun to do that. We've already talked about the future, where we think this is going, and the movies and series it might affect. So uh, stay tuned because we're gonna keep we're gonna keep at this. So the next thing that Marvel throws at us is what if, and you know, what better way? Like now, that series could be really just like hey this is what's happening right like right. this is literally what's happening right now um not just what if stories but yeah these are actually happening right now mm-hmm. well exactly uh, and if you think about it you know we don't even have to be here our variants will be here yes that's true yeah well if i could get my variant to like do a little bit more work around here I, i'd appreciate it um so anyway thank you guys so much uh, it's been a fun discussion and uh we will be right back to close out the show Hey everyone, Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. Like Rolling Stone, I've got random notes from the music world, but be ready. It hasn't been good news in the music world this week. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I told you about Blink-182's Mark Hoppus, their bass player, having cancer. He announced on Twitch that he in fact has stage four large B-cell lymphoma. That is a blood cancer, and for it to be stage four means that it has spread to organs outside of the lymphatic system. He said that his mom has beaten cancer no less than three times, so he's got fighter's genes, and we're going to continue to be hopeful and to wish him well. Last Friday evening, the announcement came down that Jeff Labar, guitarist for Cinderella, played on all of their albums, including their big hit, Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone, He passed away Friday of unknown causes at the age of 58 at his home in Nashville. The very next day, Saturday, the announcement came that Cinderella's longtime touring keyboardist, Gary Corbett, passed away due to complications from lung cancer. That's an awful lot. That is a rough, rough weekend for family and friends and fans of Cinderella. And also Saturday, another announcement, Biz Markie, you know the big hit, just a friend, 
He passed away at age 57, also of unknown causes. He is the ninth major hip-hop artist to pass away since December. So after all of that, let's close with something a little more cheerful. Uh, for fans of Paul McCartney and the Beatles, uh, a six-part interview called Paul McCartney 321 premiered on Friday on Hulu. Uh, Paul McCartney sat down with legendary producer Rick Rubin and discussed every facet of, of his career, from the Beatles to the Wings and beyond. So something good for uh, Beatles fans to check out. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. Check out the blog, iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com and also at esonetwork.com. We'll catch you next time. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Hello, everyone. Dr. Geek here with a shout-out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. <laughs> Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the Fear Street movies. So, for the first three Fridays of July, Netflix released a movie in the Fear Street movie trilogy each week, starting with 1994, then 1978, and then 1666. Fear Street, for those of you that didn't grow up with the book series, was a series of young adult books written by R.L. Stein and released in the 90s. The movies focused on a series of brutal, brutal murders in Shadyside. A group of teens have to take on an evil force, which was a witch's curse on their town from the 1600s. The second movie teleports us back to 1978 to Camp Nightwing, where the Shadyside murders happen again, and two sisters do their best to try and stop them and return the hand of the witch to her body to hopefully end the murders. Then we're teleported back to 1666, where the teens, well, those that are left at least, learn the truth behind the witch Sarah, and that the town's curse was actually a deal made with the devil by the family with the last name Good. We are then brought back to 1994, where Dina, our main teen, realizes that the person who brought the murderers back is the town sheriff, and they have to stop him. I really enjoyed these three films. My favorite out of the three was 1978 because I love that whole 1970s camp slasher film aesthetic that they had for it. I love the soundtrack and minus a few bad accents in the 1666 film, the acting was decently done. They were fun PG-13 slasher films that had an overall story to them. I really hope we get a few others, maybe talking about some of the other killers, or even delving into some of the other stories that R.L. Stein released in his book series. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Before we wrap up the show, let us, of course, say thank you to our sponsor, Ink Marketing. Ink Marketing this week is featuring a comic called Heel Turn. Heel Turn is a horror comic featuring Ethan Johnson, a seemingly normal individual whom is a well-known independent masked professional wrestler who goes by Ethan Edwards. But he has a sadistic side that little know about. He is also a serial killer. Everyone needs a hobby, right? This guy's hobby is a killer. Grab your copy at 
www.inked.pub slash heel turn. That's www.inked.pub slash heel turn. Check out our friends at Ink Marketing. They have new series coming to you all the time and they've got Kickstarters. They've got online exclusives. It's pretty darn awesome. Check them out. Ink Marketing. Fun comics to look at. All right, folks, let's wrap up this episode. Let's say thank you to our crew for tonight. Little Nix, we know you're staying up late to be with us tonight, so very happy to have you back, sir. Thank you for having me on, guys, as always. Anything you want to shout out about or anything? Uh, coming up on some 42 cast and working with Nathan and just being on with you guys. It's a lot of fun. Nothing else going on but going back to school. Going back to school. Oh, don't say that one. You got time, still. <laughs> you got time. No and way. Van, thank you as always. <laughs> Oh, always great to be here. And my thing is, um, there's a Pulsar comic book that I wrote that's coming out. It's the first uh, actual comic book based on my Sentinels novels. And there'll be a Kickstarter for it any day now. So keep an eye out. It'll be a lot of fun. Oh, I see a victim in the creative outlets coming soon, Mr. Mike. So I think that's pretty awesome. Van, it's always great to talk to you, sir. Yeah. Anything else you want to shout out about? That's it. Can people find you anywhere? You know, like a podcast Uh, or two? I have a few things. Yeah, there's um, there's the White Rocket podcast. There's the White Rocket Babylon 5 review podcast we've just started. We just finished season one. And um, and there's, the of course, the On Her Majesty's Secret podcast about James Bond. You can find links to all of that and other information at plexico.net. P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net. Excellent. And, of course, Rebecca Perry, last but never least. Uh, well, thank you again, as always, for having me. It was a lot of fun. Uh, anything you want to shout out about or anything you want to just chat about real quick? Uh, I don't have a whole lot. I mean, unlike you guys, I, uh, I'll i be, I mean, I'll be at Dragon Con uh, this Labor Day, which is going to be uh, interesting. I, I feel like it's going to be, because I mean, it, it almost feels like the first Dragon Con because I'm not really sure what to expect this year. Uh, so yeah, I'll be there with uh, the OneRing.net doing some panels. And, uh, yeah, I hope to see all of you guys and, uh, we'll, uh, have to meet up on the 10th floor of the Marriott. Meet up at the TVA. Yeah. Yes. That could be very interesting to see what was up there or crowded and everything. It should be very interesting. I want to see those big statues they have set now. So, <laughs> so definitely worth checking out. And, you know, we're very jealous of you, Rebecca, since you're going to go see Danny Elfman in Los Angeles. Uh, well, I mean, it, don't be, my, uh, my, my wallet hates me right now. So <laughs> it was, it, it's not, a, but it's, it's going to be great. He's going to, he's doing the, uh, the soundtrack to the nightmare before Christmas. And so he usually gets some of the other actors to come out and sing their parts and, uh, and, uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm very excited. If you, if you want, get a chance to check it out on YouTube. They used to do it at the Hollywood bowl and, you know, it's it's amazing. Just to put in Nightmare Before Christmas Hollywood Bowl. You'll see some amazing stuff, folks. And of course, Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Absolutely. As we get closer to uh, activating and starting uh, the Kickstarter campaign for the Tiki Zombie 10th anniversary special, uh, I got to give a big shout out to artist, uh, extraordinary artist, Jem Brumall, who we've had on the show before in the Geek Seat. She's an amazing artist uh, that I think uh, everybody should check out if they haven't already. Um, And I've been talking to her for a long time about 
providing a cover at some point for something that I'm doing. And this seemed like as good a time as any. So uh, the final version or almost final version of her variant cover for the Tiki Zombie anniversary issue has uh, is out there. You can see it on social media. I've uh, posted it as many places as I can um, and uh, take a look at it. It is a variant cover. It is of the character uh, Queen Mariana of the Myrmizons. Uh If you're familiar with Tiki Zombie, you know that character. If you're not, well, you will, because uh, I think uh, she did an outstanding job with the cover and uh, I couldn't be more, it, you know, it's, it's amazing when you get somebody, you get artwork and you think it's going to be amazing because you, you know, obviously you've talked to this person about it and you, you know, you, you, you expect good work, but then you see it and you just, your jaw drops and you're just like, this is way better than it I, I could have ever expected and, and hoped. And, uh, and so thank you, Jen, for that. And um, yeah, stay tuned because uh, like I said, the Kickstarter should be starting up. Um, there's a few more dots we have to, uh, I's we have to dot and T's we have to cross, but it should be in the next week or so, it should be active. That is awesome. It is awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing the new covers. You've given me some sneak peeks, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah, this is, this is one of four covers. So this is just the first one. Uh, the others are coming along very well as well. That is awesome. All right, that is going to wrap up the show for this evening. And of course, we are going to be back again next week. We're always back. What can we say? You know, here, guys, we are going to do another movie review. And we're going back quite a few years this time. We are going to look at a mystery. What mystery are we going to be looking at? We are looking at Mystery Alaska. That is right. Oh, I love that movie. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's one of my favorite hockey movies of all time. And I figured what would be better to talk about in the middle of summer, but <laughs> uh, Mystery Alaska. I thought it would be a lot of fun. And if you haven't seen it, folks, please do, because we're going to be talking all about it next week. So please join us then. And, you know, on behalf of all of us here, we thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you or your variant, of course, as we like to say. But, you know, as we like to also say, thanks for listening to the Air Station One podcast, where it's powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can also find Air Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Yeah, we're not too proud to beg. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Will Nix, and Van Plexico, and Rebecca Perry. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, please get vaccinated, folks, and we will see you all soon. Peace, and we are done. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Our Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. 
We want to hear from you. Please write us at EarthStation1 at ESONetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the EarthStation1 podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.